calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to the second very special E3 podcast from uh, us chaps here at IGN UK. Uh, my name is Alex, and as always, I'm joined by Tom Butler. Hello. And by Mr. Sad Dan Kilby. Let's do this. <laughs> anyway, so uh, today was the first proper day of E3. Yesterday was all about the press conferences, uh, of which we will talk a little bit more about uh, in a moment. Uh, but So you saw E3 for the first time. What did you think? I, I walked through the doors this morning with um, with one of the guys I was walking over with, and I literally went, "Oh my god, this ins- is going to be hell!" It's insane. It is ridiculous. It's mental. Like so many people. Like I don't know how to ex- describe it to people who may have not been, but it's kind of like being at a normal convention but on massive steroids. Because it's well, yes, there's lots of people, but there's also it's so loud. Yeah. And it comes from every single direction because there's nothing dividing the stands apart from sort of small walkways. Huh? So you've got like, I don't know, EA battling out with Microsoft. Uh, and the well, only way they're doing that is by cranking up the volume. And it's like, well, it's I was ridiculous. In, in Square and I was watching um, Deus Ex, which was like stealthy. But next door, where I just come from, was um, was Hitman. Right. Hitman ends the demo with like this massive like Inception type. Wah! Right. Wah! So you're in this stealthy bit in Deus Ex and it's all of a sudden you're Wah! Yeah. And it was just coming through the the walls and they, they kept cranking it up and the other ones cranking it up yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was ridiculous. When we were in Bioshock they said that they'd uh, soundproof the room but you could still like hear everything going on outside. It's ridiculous. Mental. It is something that if anybody ever gets the chance to experience, then do E3, because if you love games, then it will absolutely make you spunk your little knickers. It, uh, <laughs> it will. It will. And uh, well, have you two spunked your little knickers today? Uh, a couple of times, yeah. There you go. So anyway, uh, we are going to talk about, uh, let's kick off with last night. So Sony had their press conference. Dan, I know you're a massive PS3 fanboy, but you weren't there. I know. Uh, did you watch it? I did, yes. And what did you think? Uh, what? I mean, it like the Vita stuff was cool, but yep. I mean, it was a good press conference and it was a solid press conference, but it wasn't something that makes you stand up and go wow because there just wasn't 
uh, a plethora of new IP, which is what I personally would have wanted to see. Or just new a plethora of new IP. I always look for that in a press conference. <laughs> <laughs> or just or, new game announcements. Just some nice, I mean. nice announcements, yeah. It was good, though. It was good. Well, I think um, in terms of, uh, if we compare it directly to Microsoft, yeah. their screens weren't as good. I know it's petty, but their screens weren't as good. They had no. those portholes who... Um, they had 3D. Yeah, they had the 3D. They had the little portholes. But Microsoft had a cool like, thing. Where it was, was a bit naff as well. Like, it was quite run down. Yeah, well, that's because it was a memorial sports arena. So, therefore, you know, it's not high tech. Yeah. This is kind of like, this is what we used to do back in the day. Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, but they were giving away free beer on the way in. Yes, so. they, yeah, but that, I thought that played against it because obviously everyone just thought, end of a long day, let's have some free beer. So you just had people moving consistently for the whole kind of two Glass hours. Glass bottles as well being inside the sports yeah. <laughs> yeah. like Literally like someone's being glassed every like two minutes as someone kicks something in someone else's face. Um, and it was just a bit too long. That was my only criticism because I thought the, the conference itself was good. Uh, and the highlight was obviously um, the Vita. Um, but they demoed a lot of games that really oh. I don't think... Great job, demo. Jeremy. Great job. Yeah. Great job, Jeremy. Uh, and that's, yeah, Jack Tretton, Jesus Christ. Maybe next year they can like do a demo of someone implanting a charisma into somebody else because he really needs it. <laughs> I like Jack Trenton. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Christ. Did you see my tweet? It was uh, He'd come out to apologise and I said he should apologise for his shirt and tie combo. And then uh, Kazurai took the piss out of it. Oh, really? Later on in the show, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So after all the stuff with the PSN stuff, it, uh, it was uh, just a bit of an apology, not more. Yeah, no, I thought, I what, thought they were going to use the... Sorry, go on, Dan. No, what, what more does it need than an apology? I don't some, even think it need an apology. Oh, God, you're such a fanboy. You're such an idiot. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on before I punch you in the face. So Vita got its name, showed some games. Oh, we already knew the name ages ago, didn't yeah, we? It's you know, a bit of a shame. I'm trying to add a bit of surprise and spark to the podcast. So Vita, I think, was... I'm really excited to have a go on it. Still not had a go on it yet, because yeah. uh, the queues last night were ridiculous. Yeah. But... Um, from what I've heard from various people, including the IGN editors, it's really good. It's really exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think the most exciting thing was the Ruin game yeah, that they showed. So, the game looked mm. average. Yeah. But, but the fact that you can play it on your PS3, save your game to the cloud or vice versa, uh, and then come back and exactly pick up the game from that exact moment, which is, you know, really, really uh, kind of key. Other stuff was obviously uh, they showed a ton of new PS3s. Well, not actually not new PS3 stuff. PS3 stuff that we've seen already, oh, but they showed uh, Uncharted in 3D. And that was the first game where I genuinely thought, actually, I'd quite like a 3D telly. And it was new stuff as well, wasn't it? Because we've seen the stuff in the burning building before. Yeah. Um, but this was totally new. It was on a boat. Yeah. And I thought the way that the camera was rocking with the boat, I thought was just worked beautifully. Yeah, that worked well. And obviously, you know, uh, offset by the way that he was moving as well, because it was all down to his animation. Yeah. But it was all kind of Uncharted by the numbers. Um, you know, run along, duck, shoot someone, drag him over, uh, whatever. Yeah, but, but there's not any game by the numbers. I haven't finished. Oh, Why don't you shut up? <laughs> so it was by the numbers, but then when uh, he kind of gets confronted in the the hold of the ship, um, and his only option is to kind of shoot the shit out of this uh, barrel. Oh, I think I can't remember if it's a barrel or tank. Something explodes, rips a hole in the side of the boat, and it starts capsizing and filling with water. And the water effects were amazing. Stunning. Yeah, absolutely stunning. Yeah. It's like if there's that game is it's the most polished little nugget of 
poo I've ever seen. <laughs> it's not so, a negative poo. No, but I, I said I said in, in stark contrast to uh, Tomb Raider, which it, uh, to be fair, Tomb Raider is another year out, whereas yeah. Uncharted's yeah. only six months out. Yeah. Uh, it just looked finished. It well, that's finished. one thing. Yeah, Naughty Dog are brilliant at kind of finishing their game and then spending the extra three months or what it, whatever it needs to kind of you know hone it within an inch of its life. So yeah. that looks amazing. So. And in 3D, the 3D just looked spectacular. Yeah. I was thinking, no, the screen's a bit far away, and I don't we think were the effects. Sat. And we were miles away yeah. in the most uncomfortable seats in the world. So we're still closing them down there. Yeah, it, it still looked amazing just watching it on the in stream. In 2D. Yeah, just watching it normally. In your pants. You was in the Wishing war, I was there. In the <laughs> war room, I yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's I was still in my pants. It, it <laughs> was a weird day. Was uh, a weird yeah, day. just the listeners. <laughs> the war room is, is the room that we have as IGN where you can work out of, and uh, Dan was sat there. In his little boxes with one little nut poking out to the side. <laughs> it was good times. The other thought, thing that I thought was kind of interesting was they announced not just games, but they announced some hardware stuff. So they're doing uh, PlayStation, uh, sorry, PlayStation branded television and then glasses to make it more affordable and accessible for the kind of masses. So they announced a, a, a 24 inch uh, 3D TV. It was kind of a little bit PlayStation, uh, sorry, PSP themed because it had round edges. It looked edges. like a, piece, a PSP go, didn't it? Yeah. That's the one thing I didn't like about it was the round edges. Yeah. But a uh, 24-inch 3D TV with glasses and a copy of Resistance for under 500 bucks. And the two-player, which does split, which takes away split screen. Yeah. So each mm. player gets a different 3D vision of the game, which yeah. I think we discussed ages ago on a podcast and said it was great technology. Yeah. I could be wrong, but... Yeah, um, I, I think Stu mentioned it because he knows more about that kind of shit than we do. Yeah. But obviously the whole point of active um, 3D is that it displays two images very quickly. And so with this one, you you effectively have split screen, but you get full screen, which is just, you know, insanely clever. But um, I'm excited by that. It'd probably be £500 in the UK, but... No, it shouldn't be £500. Hey. Uh, that was last night's press conference, and I thought Sony had done a good job. But then this morning, Nintendo just came along and pulled our trousers down and made us feel very happy. Yeah, well, you say that. I seem to think at the time I walked out of the conference and I was a bit confused, a little bit unsure about what they'd just announced and not 100% convinced. But they opened it with a live orchestra playing a, me- a medley of Zelda tunes. Alex did have a little boner. That was amazing. <laughs> he was like, I can't stand up for a bit. I literally can't stand up, yeah. Um, and then it obviously announced that it's the 25th anniversary of Zelda this year. They are going to do um, uh, a live concert, which is um, not just going to be in the US, it's going to be in Europe and all around the world. Um, apparently they're trying to confirm the dates and uh, venues. I spoke to um, Nintendo about that. Uh, but then you can get there's so much stuff Four Swords for free at some point you'll be able to download to your DS um, Excite Bites Skyward Sword yeah you get free Excite Bites but the big one again was Wii U which is their name for Project Cafe which is a terrible name it's basically like taking a bad name and then making it really really well, it bad was, his justification for it was uh, uh, yeah well we we wanted to create an experience for everyone yeah. uh, for the hardcore and for the family and we know you didn't know how we would sound, and everyone likes it now. And so we've called it Wii U. Yeah, it's Wii like, U. It's like the opposite to iDevices. There's iPod, and then Wii U. Do you think it should have been U Wii? You Wii Jimmy? Because it's like it, because if if I is talking about well, is like the first person, like a personal thing. Yeah, and then there's this is and that's at the front of the of the word, and then the U. Is a binary opposite. 
So the U's at the back end. Yeah. The U is the rear exit. Yeah. So it's up your up your jacksy. It's the wee up your right. jacksy. We uh, I don't know burp. why I just said we that. Up, we up the jacksy. <laughs> I'm sure I've seen videos about that on the internet. <laughs> Starring Dan. But it's, it's, it, to me, it sounded like uh, Jonathan Ross would pronounce like Ryu out Street Fighter. Couldn't say <laughs> it quite properly. It's like, oh, I'll play as Wii U. Oh, you mean Ryu? No, no I'm going to play as Wii U. But ultimately, it's got a silly name. But the technology itself is more exciting. Yeah, than the fact it looks it's got a silly awesome. Name. So we got to play it today. Um, and I thought, I did think it was brilliant. Well, I think let's just, I mean, the, the conference itself, everyone was a bit confused because it looked like it was just yes. a new controller for a Wii. They didn't they, mention a console at all, did they? They didn't mention a console. It was only when uh, they started talking to, about third-party developers and they said it's yeah. an exciting console to be working with and what have you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they effectively announced a controller and a concept. Yeah. Um, but uh, from, well, talking to even Nintendo and everyone, Yes, there's going to be a new console which will be unveiled at some point. And they had, um, they had units under the demo screens, and they looked like Wii's but with rounded edges. Yep, and with a uh, sensor bar built in. Yeah, but I don't know if that's actually going to be what the final thing is going to look like or whatever. But uh, all we do know is that the console itself will be HD, the, 1080p. Well, 1080p. she she said 1080p, but this is one of I, I'm not sure if that's kind of completely true. But it's going to be HD. Um, and I think it will probably change quite a lot before the final stats, uh, sorry, specs are announced because um, if it's announced next year or later this year, then, you know, new Xbox, new PS3, PS4 could be coming. So they probably don't want to announce what they're going to do if what they're going to do is going to be the same power as a console that's already out there. Mm. I mean, to be honest, the graphic demo that they showed us looked like a substandard Xbox title, I Uh, think. I think that's a bit harsh. I thought it looked Xbox quality. You think? Yeah. Um, because don't forget, um, like the stuff that we're seeing on Xbox now is after people have spent years developing for those consoles. Um, and Nintendo hasn't done anything kind of HD or anything at the moment. But, you know, who knows? that? Like, so the stuff, the third-party stuff they announced was obviously Batman, for example. Um, maybe Rocksteady would do an amazing job with a third-party game on there. Yeah. Um, and the the guy from EA mentioned Battlefield could potentially work well on it. So I think it's got some, or well, it promises to have raw grunt, but we just don't know what it's going to be or yeah. how much it's going to cost. But I mean, the the thing is as well is I think what they they did very well is to answer the sort of the call for hardcore titles at the end. Is yeah, they just announced okay, you know. You want this? You want this stuff? So here it is. Uh, it was brilliant. I think, uh, yeah. But the thing is that they've had core titles. They've had like, Modern Warfare on the Wii before. But they've been weird ports. Yeah. They? See, that's the thing. It's, so it just depends. They've on what always been substandard. And I, it's, it, yeah, like the key thing is how people use the tech. The, so the the U the Wii U control itself. Yeah, I mean the different things that they were showing that it could do were, yeah. were pretty cool like holding the screen up on the controller in front of the screen to reveal something different yeah yeah. so I was thinking Batman Arkham City for your detective mode you yeah. have to hold that up and you can use that as your detective mode yeah. mm. uh, just to look around the screen to see I mean that would be cool Battlefield imagine you're in the tank and you're driving through the desert as we saw in the demo yeah, yeah. but you look down and you're using that as your radar yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, and and for the to call in the kind of like airstrikes and stuff like that. All that cool, all that yeah. kind of stuff would be brilliant. Because it, obviously it's touchscreen as well. Yes. So you could actually specify where you wanted the airstrikes to go and all that. Yeah, kind in of FIFA stuff. you could you could be fiddling with your tactics as you're playing yeah. along. I mean yeah, that yeah. would that would be cool. Yeah. 
Um, they also showed what Zelda would look like in HD and gave some kind of... That, that was like a running video that you could manipulate, a bit like the... Um, Snap uh, Snake. Yeah. So you could switch between light and day. Uh, you could change the camera angles and you could switch the um, the main action from the TV to the screen itself. And that, I, I think, was probably hinting about... Because the one thing they mentioned is that um, you could stop playing on your television screen and continue playing on the um, Wii U controller. And that, for me, is the kind of biggest sort of game changer. It's the it's the Wii Poo controller, isn't it? It's the, it's the game yep. you can take with you when yep. you're having a poo. Um, and I don't know how kind of how far you can sort of like use it for, but I think, like she said, it was using wireless technology. But I don't know if that means Wi-Fi or whether it's Bluetooth or whatever. Mm. I yeah. don't. I think it's going to have probably a limited range. You're not going to be able to connect mm. your controller to your home console through a series of like wireless routers, for example. Because from what I can gather, there's no kind of like processing tech inside the controller itself it's just the screen yeah that streams um but at the same time you know I, I did think that i'd never played anything like that before uh and some of the stuff they showed like even like chase me yeah which is you know when he announced that on stage i was like oh my god that sounds the like the rape game yeah yeah um but you, you the fact it's backwards compatible with wii and you can use your uh, wii remotes and all that stuff and so we played, four of us were playing as um, uh, Chasers. Little, little toads um, chasing Mario. And you were playing as uh, well, Mario, weren't first, you? Tom, first so. game we jumped in and we were chasing, weren't yeah, we? Yeah. And that was really good fun. So you're yeah. running around using your thing, looking on the screen in a split screen. Yeah. But the person with the uh, the Wii U remote has uh, an overview of the map. So you can see where the others are. So you can run right. away and hide from them. Yeah. So we played that and we were chasing it. And that was really good fun. And then yeah. I got to have a go at you were the person being chased. Yeah. And it was so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Because, yeah, the whole point of it is is it encourages you to sort of shout to your mates and say, well, he's hiding in the green zone or the red zone, and then people start following you. And it did work really, really well. And I can imagine, like, kids going mental for that. So, that, you know, that was really, really interesting. Um, uh, and that was kind of, that was the, the bulk of what we saw. And they were very kind of keen to stress it was... They were experiences. Um, gaming experiences rather than what the finished products would be. Because they showed a Mario game, like a Super Mario Me, where rather than playing as Mario, you played as your mm. Me. But it was exactly like any other Mario game. I think it was uh, It was Super Mario was, Brothers yeah. Wii, wasn't it? But yeah. with uh, your Mii's running around. But I thought that was, that was quite a cool idea. But I don't know why that couldn't have been used in the uh, no uh, on the Wii. So with that in mind, who do you think came out on tops for uh, the press conferences? Well, the risk of sounding like we're sucking up to Nintendo, but I think they they came out with something that was still on it. Even though we knew it was going to have a screen, yeah. it was going to be streaming it, I think they came out and proved why you should be interested in it rather than going, mm. this is what you can do with yeah. this. It was like, look at the cool things you can do. It wasn't a tech announcement for the sake of a tech announcement. No. It was like that. And that's, yeah, it goes back to my point, uh, is that it was more a kind of like, like this is an idea we've got and this is why you should be interested, and we'll tell you all the kind of techie stuff, including the console, at a later date. Uh, but yeah, they, they convinced me, it was like, fuck, that for me is the way that I want to play video games, if the video game experience is on par with what I'm playing on uh, other formats at the time. So yeah, that's the key. That is the biggest thing, the letdown about Wii, is that, you know, good graphics do make a difference. Mm. I hate to say it, but... Yeah, going from uh, the HD Zelda kind of demo on Wii U to back to Skyward Sword 
once you really notice it. Yeah. Like, Wii stuff looks clunky yeah. these days. And I will love Skyward Sword, I have no doubt, but it does look... We should. I mean, we... Uh, um, even, I, I know we were talking about Nintendo winning it, but we should talk about the 3DS stuff as well, because I just come from the uh, the Nintendo developers event, and they showed a lot more of uh, Super Mario 3D, yeah. which is the 3DS title. And it's kind of, they said it was the, it, they wanted to make it the most Mario of Mario games. Right. So it takes, it, it's being developed by this uh, Galaxy team. So yeah. it's 3D, but 2D and 3D. It's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's really cool though. Really amazing what they've done with that. Yeah. And the way it, they did, they showed this thing, which they didn't show in the press conference, but they did a, da- a downwards a looking, sorry, straight down looking dungeon type crawler right? Like, to celebrate Zelda's 25th anniversary. So you're Mario going through a dungeon from top down. Yeah. But it's also cool because it's 3D. Things are jumping up and you're maybe like falling down pits and jumping up and stuff. Right. It looked really cool. Really, really oh. cool. Really exciting. Mm. Um, They also showed Luigi's Mansion 2. I'm not convinced about that. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I don't... It, actually, maybe it'll work better on 3DS. Um, when it came out and was a kind of GameCube launch game, I was a bit like, I want something a bit more substantial. Yeah. So, but, you know. And we also got a first confirmed Wii U game from that. He said that uh, Pikmin, he ban- Miyamoto banned any questions about Pikmin. He said, I've got, two, um, I've got two ways of looking at it. I can tow the company line, which is the policy for this show is we're not announcing any titles. So don't expect any more uh, titles, but he said, but my second head is like, just really want to tell you that we're working on Pikmin. So we're working on Pikmin for Wii U. Ah, nice. Stick so it to the go. man. He was sticking it to the man. Up yours, Iwata. Yeah, That's what he said. Yeah, that's what he said. So, uh, yeah, with all that in mind, you've got to you've got to think that Nintendo has won it then. Yeah, I mean, t- thing is, I've been following Twitter and Facebook so closely, and yeah. I think we may be in the minority when we think that. And... I don't really. Yeah, I, d- I honestly think that a lot of people on Facebook and Twitter and that. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, let us know. Feel free to Twitter us at uh, Twitter dot com ign uk or on hits on Facebook at team ign uk. So, what's the general kind of? Uh, well, I, I posted that. Um, are you interested in the 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 Wii U? And the general the the majority of the votes was just meh. That was the, that was the most common vote. I think a lot of people were confused by what it was, by because a lot of feedback that I saw on Twitter, yeah, was. So is this just a new controller then? Yeah. They didn't make no. that clear at all. No, they didn't really. mention console. And it was only after we sort of spent a bit more time talking to some other people who just sort of played it a bit more and then with Nintendo itself um, that, yeah, it is a new console, but they haven't started talking about the console at all, um, apart from the fact it will do HD. Yeah. That's uh, it. Yeah. The, the, the controls themselves are very nice. We Obviously, yeah. we've had our hands on them. They are very nice. They yeah. do feel light. And maybe a little bit cheap, but then yeah. that's Nintendo, isn't it? It's, it's also prototype. And I would also say. prototype stuff, yeah. Like, you're not going to see this for over a year. No. Um, so I just think, you know, as an idea, it's brilliant. And, um, you know, I know what I want to use NGP for. It's, you know, console quality gaming on the go. Um, and I think the price, like 300 euros, I hate the fact that it's $300, but should be used to it by now. But do you think now that Nintendo are really pushing this um, from screen to screen gaming, yep. that, that Sony are going to put their weight behind put, combining the PS3 and the Vita to um, to do I, that sort of stuff? Well, it's got the potential to do it. Obviously, yeah. it's purely down to developers. Yeah. Um, you know what I would have liked to have seen is like Uncharted Three, for example, would have been a game that uh, I would love to have been able to play on my PS3 and then pick it up and then continue on my Vita. Yeah. 
Um, I think you should definitely make a rule that all Vita games need to be playable through your PS3. I don't think that would be too difficult a rule to implement. I think I think maybe it'd be a, a thing where you buy a PS3 game and it's got DLC for your Vita, so yeah. you can do things on the move. Like I was saying about Mass Effect Three, I think I've said this before, where you could play Mass Effect Three, but you could take your Vita on the bus with you and spend your time on the bus mining planets. Yeah, yeah, uh, exploring. Yeah, that would work. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, like mini games. And yeah, stuff exactly. Like that. All yeah. the mini games and stuff like yeah. that. I think that that could work really well. And um, like Will, when we saw Will Wright on Sunday, he was all for that gaming, which is filling micro gaming, filling yeah. in the gaps when you've got time. I mean, yeah. that's why the iPhone has been so popular. Exactly. And if they can, if they can fill that using those, combining those two devices, I think that's that's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, like, it's interesting. We had a conversation. Like, I can't. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about it really um, in a weird way. It's like someone from a company that we were talking about today was talking about a popular mobile game that is currently on the market that sells for, I don't know, four quid or something like that. So a premium price iPhone game. It's still not a lot of money. But they were talking about making it free uh, just to get more in- people interested in it because if they did that, then more people would become interested in the brand and therefore they'd maybe go and buy other games in the brand. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But without actually sort of saying it. So I think that's a really clever way of thinking about it. It's like, you know, you've got to look look at the long game. You know, do you want people to invest £4 in a game or do you want people to invest £40 in a game? Uh, and if you can do that by kind of attracting more people through a kind of entry-level free-to-play game, then brilliant. And it, they could Sony could look at Vita as a way of extending the play, PlayStation's shelf life yeah. because where else can the PlayStation go now other than improved graphics, but do we need any more improved graphics? And Charles, it does look pretty good. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. Like um, a lot of people saying uh, negative comments about the Wii U, and like if it's going to do 1080p graphics, like well, it's only doing what the PS3 and the Xbox 360 are doing now. And I'm like, well, you know, that's currently what all the tech can support. I don't want to go and buy another television that does, you know, I don't know four times the standard, uh, the high definition, all this. I want to live with this for another, you know, good five years. Then I'll upgrade. And, you know, there's certainly improvements you can make in terms of the, the fidelity and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, in, in terms of resolution, it serves me perfectly at the moment. So, And uh, they should really only think about changing consoles once the games start outgrowing the platform because otherwise you are just upgrading for the sake of getting a little bit better kit for yep. pe- games that probably won't need to use it all. Yeah. So, anyway, a good example of a game which I think is pushing the boundaries visually was Battlefield 3, which I actually, well, Dan and I got to oh, play today. Yeah. And yes, it was on PC, and they're not showing off the um, uh, console game at the moment, but god damn, that game looks sexy. Oh, I'm so jealous. I didn't get to see it today. Yeah. But... Like, it is. It's so fast when you're playing it in terms of, like, response time. and, and mm. But at the same time, it's, you know, incredibly detailed. Um and it's one of those that, you know, once you're actually playing the game, you, you totally forget about what's going on around you. You don't really focus on how beautiful this that looks or that looks or whatever. It's only when you're sat in the background and watching someone else play it, how beautiful it is. But I think that's probably a testament to how good it is because... It just sucks um, you in. Yeah. And they showed a, a multiplayer level sort of set in Paris and you start off... We were the, t- the attackers. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was the dev team that was playing the defenders or something. Right. So the map that we were playing on was split into kind of different areas. And so the first area was um, 
really kind of open world. Uh, I say open world, as open world as you would expect in multiplayer, but um, kind of long-range shooting. And then once you completed the objects on that, you went through to a kind of uh, underground sort of subway level, which was much more kind of close combat and grenade. And so it was kind of making you, even though it was all set within the same level, uh, Battlefield 3 was forcing you to kind of play lots of different types of FPS kind of uh, tactics all in one thing. And I thought that was quite a nice thing. And uh, Sorry, Dan. What did you play as? Did you? I played as a kind of like a standard kind of um, uh, soldier with like medic abilities, but you also had like heavy gunner and like one of the big kind of SPs that they were talking about was um, the little bipod that you can set up. You can set up on anything in the game because normally there's only kind of certain places that you can have gunning placements, but in Battlefield Three, anything whether it's a rubble wall or a kind of uh, a window, you can set your your gun up and it'll steady it, and you'll be sort of hyper accurate. And yeah, it's very smart. Yeah, I played as um, an engineer, I think, as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I played as <laughs> an engineer. Um, and, because I tried a couple of classes, and, like, they're really, it felt like there was a big difference between them, and it wasn't It wasn't just one person's got this gun, another person. So I was playing as, you know, as a basic troop, but the secondary ability was a medic. Um, and it was the same with the, the kind of heavy gunner guy, is that he was the uh, go-to guy for extra ammunition. So um, it wasn't, they weren't forcing you to be kind of super niche uh, character classes. It was a bit more expanded than that. And it felt very kind of uh, natural. And, but, you know, more importantly, it was just fun and fast to play. So, And interestingly, it was set in Paris, but it sounds like it was a totally different experience to what we'll get in Modern Warfare, which also has levels in Paris. Well, it, it just felt a bit more believable, I guess. You know, you had the Eiffel Tower in the background and, you know, I don't know. I hadn't I, I haven't been to sort of central Paris, so I don't know if it was authentic. But, you know, in modern warfare, uh, the like New York level is just so extreme. Uh, the fact that the whole of the kind of Wall Street area is destroyed to bits. It is, it is, it's so ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Whereas this felt like, set a little more grounded in in real life yeah uh, and that it feasibly might happen i don't know um you know uh, and on yesterday's podcast i mentioned there being like 50 different warships based off of the uh coast of uh, manhattan in modern warfare whereas this you know it's i just it's a different kind of approach uh and i'm you know not necessarily saying it's better but it was just quite nice to have something that felt more realistic so what else did you see at ea uh, also FIFA. saw new FIFA, yeah, um, and and the the Pi engine, Player Impact engine, um, which basically means that uh, so the the big revolution is that now every they track every indo- individual part of a player's body realistically, and there's realistic physics around it. So if someone goes in for a slide tackle, then the other player will react to it realistically, rather than it being a set animation or this, that, and the other. So um, if you kind of time your tackle too early, then it's much easier for the player to step out. Or if you're going quite late, then the other person will go flying over you in a kind of realistic way. But the other kind of interesting thing that was off the back of that, and this came out of an interview that I had with him uh, afterwards, was that um, it tracks. So if someone comes in with a heavy, heavy lunge, it will track that, that you know they've clipped you heavily on your ankle or whatever, and you may run it off to begin with but it might come back and haunt you later in the game. Right. Um, and I think Pete Donaldson was saying the same thing a couple of podcasts ago. Um, and it's the same thing that, you know, I think there was a bit of concern that uh, when Pete saw the game being played, 
that someone was running along and they pulled up with a kind of calf injury. And that's not because it's kind of a random thing. But if you're playing a season and you run a particular player into the ground, you know, they will come up to you and say, look, I need a rest. Yeah. But if you keep on choosing to play them, then ultimately they will succumb to injury. So, yeah, it was really, really smart. So And their precision, precision, precision dribbling yeah. engine worked so well because when you get into tight spots, suddenly you can kind of almost manipulate the pitch a little bit and sort of get around players a little bit more easily. It was basically you had really close control of the ball. So rather than like, you know, knocking it half a yard in front of you, it could be you literally, it's glued to your toes and you can do like tight turns and knock it around people quickly and, and smartly. So And it makes for much more fluid gameplay as well. Yeah. And what were you saying, Dan, to the booth, babe? Oh, your sound um, bout? Who was that to? Oh, no, no, no. It was, uh, a couple of the... Uh, Community guys um, were getting sort of sound. Is bites. that community or Com- community? It's community, mate. <laughs> community. <laughs> I love the community, mate. Guys, yes. A um, couple of the community <laughs> guys were getting some vox pops, and I don't know. I, I must have looked like I was just gushing up, but I, it, it it's was the best so game good. I've it was, it's, it's really good. And going back and playing FIFA 11 is going to be so difficult because I just want to play FIFA 12. Forever. So that was your quote. It's going to be difficult going back to play FIFA 11. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Stick it on the box, FIFA. Yeah. Well done. Uh, and then I guess to wrap up this week's podcast so a few other things that we saw highlights for me uh, a new uh, demo of Bioshock Infinite Um, like it's really hard to describe but there's so much going on in it it looks spectacular and I'm not quite sure how that's going to translate to when you're actually playing it because there are so many options and things to do Um, you know it's not just a a standard FPS but god it looked amazing such a colourful game as well And, and Am I right? I think it's going to have motion controls because they came out of PlayStation and he was he, yeah. so he was backtracking about slagging off motion controls. Yeah, but he so, didn't really say if that no, was coming. To no, no, no. But he, but he also mentioned he was at uh, interview Nintendo or was on the screen for the Nintendo conference. So they're obviously looking at their options. Um, do you know what? I don't know. It's one of those games. I, well, I don't know. Because so you do a lot of like uh, you get your sort of special powers and stuff like that. I don't think it's magic. It's more kind of I don't know. But anyway, like you can like pick up stuff and throw people around. And Biotics do this, isn't it called? Is it called that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I don't know how that would work if you were playing with Kinect because you obviously need the controller to do everything else. Um, you wouldn't put the controller down, then lift your arms to sort of uh, lift your arms. <laughs> I picked it up from you, Dan. <laughs> lift up your hands uh, to throw things around. So. It, uh, I think they're just basically looking at it. What the end product will be, I don't know. Yeah. It seems too frantic to have motion control. It's it? insanely like really? intense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in a completely different way from Modern Warfare, for example. Yeah. Um, and I just think there's so many smart little kind of undercurrent ideas happening in there. It's like, wow, this is a you know a game that you really kind of want to play a bit more. So, yeah, there's Bioshock Infinite. Um, the well, you played Dead Island, didn't you, Dan? Oh, <laughs> Dead Island, dead awesome. Oh. Uh, it's really, really good. How? Why? Isn't it just the first person Dead Rising? But I, th- I think it's much better than Dead Rising. Why? Really? Why? Um, tell our tell our listeners why in okay. five seconds. Five se- uh, One. The Two, the melee combat felt three, really good, felt really realistic. Four. The slices and like, the that's slashes. it. So right, so <laughs> the, the melee combat is quite good, and there's no, no, some no. slices the melee, in the it. The melee combat is obviously the bulk. That sort of essentially a replacement for shooting. I said five seconds. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> give him a break. Um, 
It, I mean, it looks really good. I get that out of the way. He's got totally loads to say. So, <laughs> oh, that's a horrible cough. Um, and it was really atmospheric. I was, I literally, I've been playing for five minutes and skipping through the cutscenes, but I still felt like I was actually there on this zombie-infected island. And like you, hate, like I'd already. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've eaten back of the box quotes today, and you're just right. spurting them out. Honest, honestly, right, your, your back was... pockets are bulging, Danny. You made <laughs> five hundred pound note once. It was. Christ. It was. It's really immersive, and it just plays well. It feels solid to play. And it looks good. And it, yeah, honestly, it's really, really fun game. Listeners, I would love for you to tell us what game you'd like Dan to check out tomorrow <laughs> to see if he can give an honest opinion of something. <laughs> I'm not saying that Dead Island is bad. I'm just saying that that sounded like quite inflated. So uh, yeah, get in touch. IGNUKfeedback.com. Or actually, because we're in America, we don't get much time to check email. And we, also, can, we can get Twitter. We can get Twitter. <laughs> Twitter, mate. Twitter.com slash IGNUK. So yeah, get in touch and we'll get Dan to check out whatever game you want him to check out the show and give his honest feedback uh, on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, to be honest, because um, you haven't come to me yet, I don't know if you're going to ask me what my highlight was. No, I wasn't, no. wasn't really bothered, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Duns was Dead Island, and I'm really sad to say, apart from Wii U, which I was blown away with, I've seen Deus Ex today, yeah, and I was like, eh, it's all right. Mm. Uh, seen Hitman, which looks okay, yeah, looked quite good, sort of Batman Arkham Asylum-esque, yeah, in... Uh, sort of stealthy mode um, but actually the game that most interested me was actually sad to say the Kinect stuff I saw this morning right so um, Fun Labs looks looks really good fun they've yeah. given the power of the hackers well taken the power of the hackers back and it looks like they're going to make like a community generated game section just for bum flaps just for fun, fun flaps and uh, that was quite good fun so you can make a little bobblehead of yourself and right. me- record your own phrase but Disneyland Adventures and I know it's not really our target audience but they've recreated the whole of Disneyland like all 144 acres or whatever it is which the the one in California or Disney World or Uh, it's Disneyland so um, sorry it's the full 85 acres they've um, they've recreated Uh, you can meet and greet all the different characters and you collect all of the characters you're going around Um, a quite nice little thing was um, they said oh how do kids make their way around Disneyland it's because they point and say I want to go there so to get around you point and it right. takes you there. Do and you, you have get... to queue up for two hours to get onto a ride? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but it just, from what I saw, and you can go on all different attractions and stuff, it just felt like the vision that Walt probably had. Right. And it was brought to life. Yeah. And I just think for, for kids, it's brilliant. It, it was just magical. Okay. Yeah. $10 for a hot dog? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they, they were talking about this thing that you can buy pin, pin badges around Disneyland. Do you know about this? Quite famous. No. 7,000 different pin badges, and they're all in the game. Is that right? So you can collect all 7,000 of 7, them. 7,000 yeah. pinbacks, wow. Yeah, that you can buy from Disneyland. Because apparently you go, you can buy packs of them. I mean, people let us know. But um, yeah, they showed us Alice in Wonderland, uh, Peter Pan, and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean as well. So all the rides in there, for example. Yeah. So if you want to go on Space Mountain. Yeah, Space Mountain will have a level. a, what, a virtual... No, so ride? it'll be something inspired by Space Mountain. Okay, and then right. each, each level has, each attraction has two, three, four, or five games to go with it. Gotcha. Um, Jeez. But I, re- I really enjoyed that. Um, on the flip side, I saw Connect Star Wars. And the less said about that, the better. Really? Yeah, it's just big rubbish. pile of uh, Dagobah doo-doo. Yeah. And stinking, uh, stinking... Yoda plop. Yoda plop. Um, well, I saw... Uh, well, I, I sat through a demo of Fable the Journey. So, obviously, that was shown at the Microsoft press conference yesterday. Um, and But I had a half-hour demo of Peter Molyneux today. 
Uh, and he started off the demo by saying how pissed off he was because he saw lots of reports in the press about how it looked like Fable on Rails. Because after the press conference, that's exactly what it looked like. So he went some way to kind of dispelling that myth today. And so he showed a lot more of the horse stuff. So most of the game, you're going to be playing on the horse, and that's how you will get around Albion. Uh, and that's not on rails at all. So you'll sit in your chair, uh, you hold your hands out as if you're holding reins, and you'll kind of, you know, whip both hands down at the same time to G your horse up, pull on the left rein to go left, and all that kind of stuff. And that was quite nice. Uh, and then it cut to the scene where the press conference showed where you were kind of the going... The Yoda trolls yeah. where you just... Uh, and uh, and he was saying that so they had initially uh, an eight minute demo to show at the press conference, which was cut to four minutes at the last at the last minute. Uh, and so he wanted uh, it was his decision to show off the magic. And I think that's where it all came from is that, well, actually, you know, the magic was all right, but it looks like it's on rails. But essentially what he said was is all the tech and the stuff that you saw in Milo and Kate uh, is going to be incorporated into the game. So um there will be bits where, uh, and again, it's difficult to describe, but he was saying that, you know, even though it's on rails, you can move around by kind of just, you know, moving your body around. So I don't think it's as simple as like, you know, you follow these guys, you shoot these guys and, and this, that and the other. It's going to be more sophisticated than that. But there's also going to be, uh, he was talking about your horse being uh, a cross between the dog in Fable and the creatures in black and white. And so, it, you know, you learn to care for it. So if you're one of these bastards that wants to get through the game as quickly as possible and you're whipping it to it within an inch of its life, it'll eventually kind of, you know, um, curl up and die. You've got to look after it and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you know, you're still very heavy on emotion in games. But I actually came away from that thinking, if, <laughs> classic Peter Molyneux, if he delivers on his promises, it might be quite a cool game. Yeah, that's uh, quite interesting because it did seem just like a, an add-on for oh, the press conference. You know, yeah. I, I was really disappointed when I saw it because, you know, the one thing that he does is come up with big ideas and that the demo didn't demonstrate those big ideas. But having spent a bit more time with him, it looked good. So, yeah, uh, more at Gamescom, apparently. So Right. Um, something I learned today, yes. just to add on from Miyamoto, he's a non-inverter. Because he was talking about invert what, look. belly button? No, <laughs> no, he was talking about invert look because um, how Star Fox, um, and also he was talking about Mario Kart, um, and how he wanted to he wanted to unite inverters and non-inverters. He wanted to create a game for that, and that's why they've incorporated motion controls into Star Fox. Right, which I thought was quite interesting actually. Okay, to hear um, Miyamoto's. Um, I'm a non-inverter. Yeah, he's, he's a non-inverter, yeah. and he was saying that um, all the people who were non-inverters were Sega fans. Ah. Yeah, that was his... Um, non-inverters were Sega fans, or inverters? Sorry, the, the non-inverters. Okay. Yeah, because he did keep your hands up, that sort of thing. That sort of thing. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So, is that it? Uh, well, that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much everything we've seen so far. Uh, I've, I've seen something cool. Go on then, Dan. Tintin. I saw Tintin, a Tintin demo. Really? In 3D, is, I mean, it is it, like Disneyland. It's a game aimed at younger people, but a bit, it looks like a Children. very, very solid game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think people, like, if you're into Tintin, it's sort of like a sort of adventure platforming style game. Um, It could be quite cool. I saw this really nice level where, like, it was all set in a ship, and uh, you do, like, a load of stuff, and then it starts sinking, and it suddenly, the ship tips up completely and it's vertical and you've got to escape through the ship 
right. as the water's rising and using using the water to your advantage as well. So that was really cool. And apparently there's going to be between 15 and 20 hours of um, campaign. There you go. Which is awesome. And then... Sacre uh, bleu. <laughs> co-op as well. So, well, that's it, Tintin. Look out for it. Yeah. So, uh, do we have any feedback from yesterday's podcast at all, Tom? Well, you've made the mistake, well, not the mistake, you probably did this quite cynically, putting Modern Warfare 3 versus Battle for the 3 in the headline Absolutely. title of the podcast yesterday. So yeah. it's pretty much fanboy ranting um, about which one, which game is going to be the better, and uh, IGN sucks. So um, I don't know if I've got anything I can read out on, Brilliant. The, on the air. Uh, so, this didn't work out quite oh, as well. Oh, I, I did see one comment on there which was quite interesting. Some guy had said, um, well, somebody had said uh, what was interesting about our conversation is that we'd spoken about Tomb Raider and said it looks like a mixture of Lost and Uncharted, when obviously Tomb Raider, Uncharted, looks like Tomb Raider ultimately. Cause yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just yeah, funny yeah, yeah, how yeah. times have changed. Yeah. Well, that's it. I think, you know, if you're looking for that kind of action-adventure game, Uncharted paves the way these days, whereas mm. it used to be Tomb Raider. Yeah. But you never know, it might swing the other way after this. Oh, here we go. Some feedback for you from Twitter. Uh, Newson underscore one says, guys, just a quick shout to say the E3 podcasts are awesome. Keep up the good work for all us jealous folks. Thanks, man. Uh, thank so you. thank you for that. Um, someone else said, Imagine um, says, I really hope third party support the Wii U. Now that it's powerful enough, can you imagine Professor Layton on it? Well, third party support is is awesome. Yeah. You know, the, so it's not something we've really talked about. But. Um, yeah, they've already announced that, uh, I'm trying to think of the games off the top of my head, there was Darksiders 2, there was Batman, there was, oh God, there was loads of stuff. Um, uh, Battlefield 3, potentially. Metro, uh, New Light. Metro, Life, uh, First Light, First or Light. Last Light. Uh, um, flashlight, Fleshlight? Yeah, uh, Me- Metro Fleshlight, yeah. I think that was it, yeah. So. <laughs> it's a new peripheral. Um, yeah, there's loads of third-party support, and like Nintendo's never been strong on that for launch. So the fact that they're talking about you know that level of third-party support from um, uh, probably a year before the uh, the console comes out is incredible. So mm. um, and they had like all the big kind of uh, CEOs of companies around from Ubisoft, EA, etc., talking about how amazing it was. So you know you bet your bottom dollar there they've got their dev kits already and they'll be working on stuff. So. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. If they've got their dev kits already, does that mean the console, they must know what the console is, surely? It must be built. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, do you want some more feedback? Uh, Seconda Hate says, I love you, iGem, but fuck me, you have a thir- your 30-year-old dream tongue so far up Nintendo's l- l- lacklustre ass. Uh, I I don't think that's true. Um, I think the fact that... Someone else had said that, obviously, what we said about the 3DS and all the stuff we've had about the 3DS. Which has yeah. been a bit of a disappointment so yeah. far. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Well, I just think the fact of the matter is, is that you know, this is the first time I've seen something that's genuinely refreshing. I'm, I'm so not a, a Nintendo fanboy. I'm not a fanboy of any type. I just like stuff that's doing interest, doing things that are interesting. If something deserves uh, to be rewarded, we will reward it by talking about it. Brilliant. There you go. So you know, Dan <laughs> encapsulates our thoughts in uh, a nugget of turgid. <laughs> and let us know what you think of the podcast theme. Yeah, because obviously, yeah, we've got our special uh, US-themed uh, podcast jingle, which was provided by one of uh, New Daniel's friends. Cooper, so. Cooper Troopers Troop. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for tonight's podcast. So this is obviously the second of three, although we might try and squeeze a cheeky fourth one in on uh, Thursday. how we feel on Thursday, time. yeah. 
Uh, but tomorrow I am going to go and see all of Ubisoft stuff. We're going to go and see some more. Um, uh, well, I think we're going to go and see some of the 3DS titles. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, I want to see Tomb Raider. Yeah, I want to see Tomb Raider. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to see Bethesda stuff. So Rage and uh, Elder Scrolls. So we'll have a ton more stuff to talk about tomorrow. So tune in, and uh, if you like it, then give us a good rating on iTunes. Uh, yep. Until then, bye-bye! Bye-bye, boy! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.